Hey, this is Sean Leary, and welcome back to the latest episode of QC Uncut, your podcast for uncut, uncensored, unedited conversation with local newsmakers. That music you're hearing in the background, well, in a couple weeks, you're going to be hearing Lynn Allen here in the background. We're at Kavanaugh's in Rock Island, right across from Augustana College, and I am here with the legendary Billy Piper from Lynn Allen, as well as Colin Keemling. Keemling. Sorry. Keemling? Keemley? Okay. And Colin is going to be playing keyboards and guitar um, with Billy and the other boys from Lynn Allen. The rotating lineup of folks from Lynn Allen. It's funny because I ran into a friend of mine, Jason Tannemore, on the way in before I talked to you. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm here interviewing Billy from Lynn Allen. He goes, Lynn Allen? Are they are those guys still around? I'm like, they are now. They're coming back. So tell us about what led you. You guys haven't played in a while. Right. What led you to come back and play this gig, and what's the band been up to? When I put uh, when I put on the on the local Facebook that we weren't playing, I didn't say we were ever retiring. I did that on purpose because yeah, I mean, look at I'm, Kiss and the Scorpions, and I'm not putting myself with them, but it's the same thing. Oh, we're retired, we're done, then they come back out. So I just said we're slowing way, way down, and that's what we did. You know what I mean? And um, you know, as far as the lineup goes. I wish a hundred years ago I would have just called it the Billy Piper Band because now it's Lynn Allen really is whoever I bring with me. I mean, I'm not not being, you know, uh, an egotistical asshole. It's just the truth. Whoever I, yeah, whoever I bring with me is that's Lynn Allen. You know what I mean? So, and it's kind of a cool thing because then I can bring different people if I want, and if somebody doesn't feel like playing or somebody wants a year off or two years off or whatever, take it. We'll find somebody to, you know, jump in. You know, so. So are you guys doing, um, I assume that you're going to be doing Lynn Allen Classics, everybody remembers. Um, also, you guys recently put out a n- new album. Are you putting out new material over the last, like, you know, three, four years? Um, they're gonna be, are we going to be hearing a lot of stuff like Streetlight and some of the other newer stuff? You re-recorded um, Heidi's song from the Billy Piper and Iowa album. Are we going to be hearing that kind of stuff as well? Uh, definitely hear Streetlight, which I meant to tell you afterward, after a meeting today. We'll definitely play Streetlight. Probably won't. If we play Iowa, I'm I'm sure it'll be Prick. I forgot. It's another one I forgot about. So uh, yeah, you'll probably hear. But we won't do um, we won't do our timer Heidi song, which was originally originally called um, because uh, the other singer won't won't be here. You know what I mean? So you know we won't be. Are you good? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll be playing. We'll be playing a lot of Led Allen tunes, at least, at least an hour and at least an hour and a half of Led Allen stuff. So that'll be cool. So obviously, you're going to hear Domino last night. Yep. She's looking at me. Yep. Romeo. Yep. Anything else? What What other songs that are on the list right now? Uh, surprise, surprise. She is in love. Uh, like I said, Streetlight. Man, you know, I'm getting so damn old. I can't remember anymore. <laughs> um, I can't remember. Were there any more guitar? You know what? I got a list.
list here. I do, right here in my phone. Hold on a second. I can... Colin, how does it feel to be playing with this guy and the rest of the guys in the group? Well, I've played with Bill a lot over the last, I'd say, seven, eight years, but I've never been able to, we've never done a show together where we're really bringing out, you know, all the big songs, all the classic Lynn Allen songs. And I grew up idolizing Bill and Tim Compton and the rest of the guys. And so to be able to finally do a show with them, you know, almost like a show you would have at Beethoven's or Stage West, it's a really cool thing, and I'm more than excited. I'm over the moon about it. It's going to be awesome. Now, how familiar, you mentioned you grew up, you know, listening to these guys. Um, how, how did this all come about? How did you end up, you know, meeting up with them and, decide, and you know, coming into uh, the band? Well, I met Bill uh, just kind of, you know, I started playing around in the music scene, and inevitably, if you're in the Quad Cities music scene, you'll meet Billy. Right. Um, but I just, we kind of, you know, we chatted a little bit here and there, and we just became closer friends as time went on, and then we uh, kind of hit it off, and we started doing some studio work together. And uh, Billy and I have very, we think alike in a lot of ways when it comes to the music and whatnot. And so we just became really good buddies, and we started playing together, and, you know, playing with them is so easy, you know, because he's a, he's a great singer he's a great musician and so are the rest of the guys in the band so when you get to play in a band like that it just it always clicks that's cool so what's it like playing with so many different performers and stuff and and what do they bring to the songs that you played geez hundreds of times over and over again is there ever a time you're like oh that's kind of cool nobody else has played it that way before usually if some if somebody performs with us they like if, like say it's a guitar player if they're worth their weight and they'll they'll comp they'll copy Compton note for note uh, you know what I mean because he was such a good player and the, and the, you know what I mean so they'll do their best to make it sound just like the the album was so really I don't I, anybody that plays is really like they don't really stray from from the formula you know what I mean they gotta stay in that pocket I wouldn't be upset if they did you know what I mean but usually they try to mimic him pretty pretty close so there wouldn't be any fist fights on stage or anything it'd be like there wouldn't be any fist fights on stage, you're, you're breaking a bottle and yelling at him, God damn it, I said to play it like the record. I can't guarantee that. <laughs> he and I have been in a fist fight before. Colin and I have been in a fist fight before. But we have. That's what brothers do, you know what I mean? What did you get invites over? Oh, we don't know. I'm, I'm being honest with you. You just wake up the next day with bruises and you're like, what the hell happened last night? Yeah, I don't know. And, and, and even if I did know, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't say. I know that sounds funny, but you know what? Two, two fucking guys get in a fight. If they patch it up, what difference does it make? Let it go. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, we have. <laughs> <laughs> Any comment, Colin? <laughs> you know, you only fight with people you care about, right? That is true. No, I, we are all really, really good friends, and uh, I love these guys, and Billy loves the rest of the band, and pretty much all of the Lynn Allen family, former members, present members, all really tight. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with what he said more. Now, you guys really, you're the longest running band that I could think of in the Quad Cities. I mean, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, obviously, you know, Danny Lynn Howe has been around for a while. God bless his soul. Ellis Kell had a really long run. You know, but like, you know, really, I can't. Douglas and Tucker have been together since the early 90s. Um, but, I mean, Carrie and Bill obviously played in bands in the late 80s. But you were around like a decade before like Carrie and Bill. And Carrie and Bill are like, you know. 
know, you know, kind of like the legends of the scene. They've been around for three decades. Same thing with the Tripmaster guys. And you were like, you know, around 10, 15 years before Tripmaster and, right. and Einstein's sister. Um, are you surprised at your longevity and the fact that, like, people are still really, really into the music? Well, you know, I probably said this before to you in an interview because we've done quite a few, but I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I, I really grew up with everybody in the Quad Cities. You mentioned Ellis Kell. Ellis Kell was paramount in Colin's future when Colin was just a young, what, wait, how old, Colin? I don't even know. 14. 14 years old. You know I mean? Ellis, was, to me, I can't give enough props to Ellis Kell. Ellis is a terrific guy. Yeah. One of the one of the most wonderful human beings I've ever met yeah, in my life. Yeah, just, a, I mean, and you say that sometimes, you know, but really you mean it when you talk about Ellis. Oh, the guy God, was just a fantastic guy. dude. Yeah, what a wonderful, wonderful guy. And the thing about Ellis, and my relationship with Ellis was, uh, I might not see Ellis, you know, for three years, and then we'd bump into each other. We, I mean, it was like exactly where, and here, let me tell you a story about Ellis. To me, this was the coolest thing. I saw Ellis one time in Whitey's ice cream, and he didn't see me, and I walked up behind him, and I just snuck up, just, I gave him a nice kiss right on the cheek, right, <laughs> kind of by the ear there a little bit, and he didn't even flinch. And you know what that told me? That told He was used to people coming up and kissing him randomly? It told me that that guy didn't have an enemy in the world. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, this, you know, he's not surprised, he's not worried. You know, if somebody's kissing him, he's like, oh, somebody, you know, he knew it was somebody that loved him. That's probably a pretty good feeling. Yeah. I don't have that. <laughs> hell, Billy, you're still getting fist fights with your keyboardist right, and right, guitarist right, here. What the hell? Right. I don't have that. If you're used to people cold gawking you at Whitey. <laughs> yeah, so if somebody's kissing me there, uh, what do they want? <laughs> <laughs> but what do you what do you think has been the secret to the fact that you've been around for so long and not just that you've been around for so long because anybody can just stick around and play but you've maintained a popularity and people still come out and they love your music I mean I was talking to you before we started recording like you know before our interview I was listening to your stuff again like you know last night and Domino and I've said that to you before it's like last night is just such a phenomenal song it's one of those songs where you're like, how the hell did this not become a massive hit? Because it's so freaking catchy. It's such an earworm. And, you know, there's so many of our other songs. I mean, even Streetlight is like one of those songs. It's got fantastic hooks to it. And you have a real knack for hitting that power pop, you know, song right in the, you know, right in the, right in the chops, you know, really getting it, you know? Well, um... I think the coolest thing, and one of the coolest things about the longevity of Lynn Allen is that, um, like, if we were to go play Muscatine, there are there are several hundred fans that will will show up to the to the show, but they're not waiting to hear last night. They're waiting to hear Romeo. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's I think that's part of it is that every now and then I'd get lucky with a with a new one. That you know what I mean? You know, not that not that last night's a bad song. It's a great, tremendous song. I made a lot of money with that song, and you know what I mean. And it helped me throughout my whole career. But I think, like, what if you were like in um, Player, the band Player, and you wrote "Baby Come Back"? Right. That's a great song, but that's the only song they ever had. 
right. that anybody could ever mention. You know what I mean? So at least I'm lucky enough that people go, oh, I like Romeo, or I like uh, Last Night, or I like Domino, or I like, you know what I mean, where are you now? Or, uh, right. Surprise, surprise. Exactly, right. Yeah, so that, I think that's, I think there's a lot of luck involved in that. You know what I mean? But, you know, if you keep at it, and you keep writing, eventually you're going to write something somebody likes. One of the, one of the songs I always like that never seems to get, get mentioned is Where Are You Now? Yeah, we play it. Yeah, and we'll, be, and we'll play it the 28th. Colin's very enthusiastic about that. You're, that's one of your favorites? What are some of your favorites? Being that you were a fan of this guy and his band prior to joining the band, what were some of your favorite songs and what's it been like to play them? Well, I'll start off with this one real quick. For those that haven't listened to it, um, there's a song called Enough to Make Me Sober. And I think it was off Nine or Horse you wrote in on. Horse. Anyway, but it's one of my favorite uh, songs that Billy wrote because Billy's always been incredibly, like, naturally in with writing hooks like it's just oh, yeah, it's, it's no something doubt. you either have or you don't you yeah. can get good at songwriting but you have to be born with the ability to write hooks yeah. and Billy has that but that's one of my favorite lyrical things uh, like lyrics that Billy ever wrote wasn't enough to make me sober um, you know it's not the truth it's just a lie um, what else is in there where it talks about um, what are the lyrics Billy when he says where he's like uh, uh, you want them to believe there's an evil side to me um, but your tongue is wrapped in lies but like I can make your dreams come true and then you wouldn't have to lie, something like that. But well, yeah. what that what that's saying is, it's actually a it, it's a terrible thing to say, but and it's not like how I feel in my heart. It's a song, so you know, fucking get over it. But it's saying, you know, if if you and I are dating, we break up, and you run around and tell people I beat you up and a bunch of shit. How about if I just beat you up? <laughs> no, I'm, you know what I'm saying. But you know what I mean. That that's what the song. Yeah, but that's what the song's saying. The song's saying if you're gonna run around and tell people. I fucking did shit I never did. How about, what I, how about I just go do it? And then you'd be like, holy shit, he really did beat me up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, well you know. The, the sound you just heard is Billy Piper being canceled throughout the Quad Cities. <laughs> Hashtag cancel Billy Piper is now trending on Quad Cities Twitter. Yeah, Me Too, and you know. But um, it, not, not to make fun of the Me Too movement, I'm really not. And, and, I know you're joking. Yeah, yeah. I'm I know joking. you really don't be, I know you're not beating that, like, you know, why don't I go beat out, beat no, up a bunch no, of people. But, but that's what that's what it's about. That, because you know when you go through, you know what? Here's the thing. I have an outlet. Most people don't. Right. You know what I'm saying? I have an outlet. I can write a song about a relationship. I can I, I can say things and get stuff out of my system where po- most people just have to m- shut up and move on with their with their life. You know what I mean? You know. So that's kind of a cool thing that you could write a song about it. Fortunately. Most of them are about falling in love. And no, no, they're not. Probably 50-50. Because everybody loves a sappy love song, especially when they're breaking up with somebody, you know? Yeah. So. But, so, I remember interviewing you about, like, way back in, like, the late 90s. Remember when we started Get a Life Online, which was the first ever entertainment site, entertainment website in the Quad Cities. And we did it when I was at the Dispatch in Argus. And I remember interviewing you for, like, we actually did like one of the first podcasts ever in Quad Cities history. Remember when I used to do that podcast and we put it on the phone? Then yeah. people would call City Line and they'd yeah, call the yeah, phone yeah, to listen. Yeah, they listen on the phone on the ground line. Yeah. It was like one of the first podcasts ever. Wow, that was a long time ago. And we went through each of your songs. There's a point to this rather than self-aggrandizement here. Um, we went through each of your songs and you were telling me about the inspiration for each of your songs and some of the early songs. They had this that you had no. Personal connection to him, like Domino. You said you wrote it because.
because you wrote it about Rachel, Rachel, War- Rachel Warren's, Rachel Warren's yeah, character. You've got a good memory. And then yeah. last night you said, I don't know what the hell that song means. They were just like random lyrics that right. I threw on there. Yeah. Um, so you just had, you had a lot of very hook-laden songs, and you kind of like threw random songs. As you've gotten older, though, a lot of the songs have become more personal, and they become more yeah, entwined yeah, I, with your life. I, I would agree with that because because when we when, when we first started writing music. Um, I, when I like, I would come up with a guitar riff, or maybe, or maybe Compton would, and I would just sing gibberish, yeah, just to get the melody line, oh, yeah, just to get. I mean, it might not say anything, you know what I mean? And it's really embarrassing. Like if you were to record it, and listen to it, you'd be like, "What in the hell?" But then when you hear it put together, then it makes sense to you. You know what I mean? But you're right. Back then, I really didn't write songs. Uh, about anything or any person in particular, per se. You know what I mean? So, you know, you know, one of the most favorite, famous gibberish hits of all time. The artist went into the studio and they recorded the track, and they needed a guide vocal track, and they just recorded whatever the hell came into their head, and it ended up it ended up being the final vocal to it. it, it, it Susu Studio? No, it's not. But oh. you're close. Okay. Same okay. artist. Who? What? Susu Studio. Yeah. In the air tonight by Phil Collins. Oh, really? The, oh, the lyric is complete fucking gibberish. gibberish. He, he he said just said that. He's like, no, it didn't mean anything. I was going through a divorce. I was in a really shitty place. Yeah. Went into the studio. I had this t- song. I needed to record some vocals to it. And so I just started improvising lines right. over the melody line. And it ended up being like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. And they ended up keeping it. Right. So, yeah. And that's exactly what we were talking about. You know what I mean? It's just... You're 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 mainly looking for the. For my, I'm constantly looking for the melody line. Constantly looking. I'm always thinking in the back of my head. Would somebody roll their window down? Right down the street and enjoy this. You know what I mean? Can you see it? Yeah. You know what I mean? In a rainstorm, sun, sunlight, whatever. Can can somebody go get into the groove of this and enjoy it? You know what I mean? And I think that's the the actual key to country music right now. Country music, I think, has now become pop music. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? So you know what I mean? And then there's this big fight. Oh, I don't like Luke Bryant, but I like Johnny Cash. You know what I mean? Well, Johnny Cash was just doing pop music too, folks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you know, I mean. You can think that you're cooler than somebody else because you like a certain type of music, but truly, music, if it makes you feel good, if a song makes, if it reaches you, I don't give a shit where it comes from. You know what I mean? If it's a good song and it makes me go, oh man, that's cool. What's weird about that is that so many of the guys who were writing like melodic pop songs and power pop songs in the late 90s and 2000s and stuff, as music became more rhythmically based, they started taking all those hooks to Nashville and they started doing like people like Butch Walker who was working with Shelby Lynn and people like that. Butch Walker, one of my favorites, fantastic songwriter and producer. But guys like that who had written all these like hooky power pop songs, they weren't having any commercial success and so they all became producers and songwriters they went down to Nashville like oh shit I'll just like throw a steel guitar over this and all of a sudden it's a country song yeah it's it's like the old uh, the old uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for what's it called you're an English guy additive additive it's the old I don't care how I get what end of the pool I get in I just want to get in the water right you know what I'm saying yeah so the, the, to me that's the whole thing you know I just you just want to be in the water you know tr- tr- maybe try to stay relevant the beauty of my career right now is I don't have to stay relevant. You know what I mean? I'm 60 years old. 
60. I started doing this when I was 17 years old. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was time for me to it was time for me to settle down a bit, slow down, play a couple shows a year. Be you know what I mean? Be done with that. You know, just because first of all, there's so many. Okay, here's an interesting point. There's only about 300 people in the Quad City area that are dedicated to going watching live bands. And they're split up every weekend into so many different bars. So, I don't care if you're in Lynn Allen, I don't care what band you're in. You're, you're fighting for the exact same 300 people over and over and over. Right. You know what I mean? And well, I know exactly what you mean because it's such an incestuous scene. It's right. like, and I've been I've been a part of it now for like 25 years, so and like know, I see the same fucking people every time I go to a show. You know exactly what know I'm exactly talking about, right? Yeah. So, to me, it's kind of it was kind of time to go. You know what? Let somebody else have a chance. You know what I mean? And here's another. Here's a great point. I got I got these friends I go motorcycle riding with. We go do things. And they're always making fun of me because I'm always talking about where we're going to have dinner on Friday night. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've got some COVID weight on me. I'm a little piggy right now. You know, I mean, I'm hoping to get it off one of these days. But the truth is, I'm not, I'm not um, obsessed with going out to eat or, or with food. I'm obsessed with going out to eat because for 40 years, I didn't go out to eat. Uh-huh. I went to a show. I went to set up. You know, you know. So, okay, so let, let's just back up real quick. Okay, so here's what happens, right? You start out in your band, and your first gig, you can't sleep the night before. You're excited as fuck. You know what I mean? Oh, man, my gig, blah, 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 blah. And you do it. You do the gig. And then, and then that, that slowly kind of fades away. And as it fades away, and you become more professional. You know, you're still setting up your gear, and you're doing this, you're doing that. And then you get... You get a, a, a member on your crew, or maybe two, and then as you get popular and you start selling records and start doing things, then you get find out you got a crew, and I don't ever I don't have to touch anything anymore. All I got to do is ride in the car or the bus or whatever you know the station wagon or the Winnebago or whatever we're in that year. And I just got to show up and literally just walk on stage and somebody puts my guitar on me and I go out and perform. Then you start to lose popularity. <laughs> and then, no, but it's the truth. And then you lose a crew member. And then you lose another crew member. And then before you know it, the crew's gone and you're back to setting your stuff up. Then there's too many people in the band to make any more money. So then you got to get rid of somebody in the band. So, you know what I mean? So you Sorry, cowbell player, but you're done. You're out of here. So you eventually end up... You need less cowbell now. You eventually end up being right. <laughs> you end up being a, a three... Is that why you become a multi-instrumentalist, Colin? <laughs> your best? That was one of the smartest things I did. Longevity, man. <laughs> Colin, would you get me one of those? You want another one? Yeah, could you? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, Colin, put it on my tab. Tell Heather. Okay. And get yourself whatever you like. You got it. Uh, yeah, so that, to me, that's like, you know, then you end up being a three-piece man, no crew, and sooner or later, you got to say, you know, let's somebody else have a shot at this, and, you know, I'm not doing it for a living any longer, you know, and that's a tough living. And, and, and on top of that, if, if we're going to be true, you're lying to everybody the whole time. 
you have to create this persona and you have to maintain it. People, you know, people thought I was like did really well. People thought I walked around with, with money in my pocket all the time. I, I, no, I was broker now. You know what I mean? You know, you when if you're a full time musician, I was one of the lucky ones, Sean. You know, what I mean, I, I did make I did make it. I, did, I was able to make money and survive. Right. But most can't, and it still wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, people, any any creative art. You and I have had this conversation before in, in interviews where any creative art people have you have you have more fame than money and I remember having a conversation about this with a, a friend of mine who was a banker and he's like oh you're on TV and blah 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 I'm like dude you probably make three times as much money a year as I do right you know because there's that misconception but, of like right, but you, oh you're on TV or you're on stage or whatever creative people don't make a lot of money unless you get very lucky and have like a big huge hit or something like that or right. have something take right. off. And yeah. you, you know that worked for me and against me.